there. You see this? It's called a carrot. Now get out there and uncrate them! Two bucks an hour, he's a Toronto. Dracula from Sony Image Soft. Sure, it's just a game. Welcome, my children of the night, to Cinemarcade. This is the podcast about movies, video games, and the sparks that fly when those two worlds collide. Uh, my name is Steve Guntley, and uh, I'm joined here by my own children of the night. What sweet <laughs> music they make. Please howl your introductions to us. Oh, <laughs> I'm J-Ban. Ooh, spooky. And who else, who's, this, who's the creepy skeleton man with you? Hello, I am Trusted. <laughs> He's the horse skeleton from the game. Like so, a, that, that, was, uh, <laughs> that, was, that was an iconic horse. Speaking of sparks, there are literal sparks in the air. So There are, yeah. We've got some great ambiance here. We've got a big thunderstorm going on outside, so it might get all dark and spooky in here. If we- you hear a loud crack and then, uh, yeah, you'll, you'll know what happened. <laughs> that's, that's what it is. Uh, but it's appropriate because today we are talking about Bram Stoker's Dracula. Uh, one of um, I'll I'll level with you. This is one of the episodes that made me really want to do this show <laughs> when I was putting this together because I think this is such an incredible synthesis of this whole idea behind this podcast. This is coming out at the peak era of heavy video game tie-in merchandising. To the point where they don't even really stop to question if this is something that should be a video game. And it's also peak of like marketing things to kids that really are not in any way, shape, or form for kids. And the the end results are fascinating and bizarre. And there I'm very were, eager to talk about it. I believe a couple sets of tits in that movie. <laughs> no, no, there are never sets. Well, there are sets, but usually it's a stray tit. Yeah. A stray yeah, breast. Well, that is, that's a good point. <laughs> it's one Lucy. Yeah. That, that's what happens oh, when a woman Lucy. is distressed. It just pops out. Yeah. Actually, speaking of Lucy, like, yeah, she is like oh. half-breasted this entire movie. Like, that's that's like her whole look. It's like being dressed in brazen red and half a boob exposed. Uh, the film we are talking about, of course, is Bram Stoker's Dracula. It was released in November of 1992. This is directed by Francis Ford Coppola, and it stars Gary Oldman, Winona Ryder, Keanu Reeves, Anthony Hopkins, Richard E. Grant, Carrie Elways, Billy Campbell, Sadie Frost, and, of course, my man, Tom Waits. Now, there are hundreds of Dracula iterations out there, hundreds upon hundreds. Like, it's so easy to do. It's so frequent. Like, even by 1992, we were pretty inundated with Dracula. But this is the one that's coming out the gate saying, oh, no, we're not just Dracula. We're Bram Stoker's Dracula. We are accurate to the book for maybe the first time ever. And we have one person here who has read the book. Out of the three of us, one of us has read I've read the book multiple times. It's one of my favorite books of all time. And it is not accurate to the book. Um, Dracula does not have a beautiful bride um, that kills herself. No. Um, and um, it, he's... How, how did he turn into a vampire in the book? Is it ever explained? Because like the... I don't think it's ever explained. He's just 
evil. Because he's kind of just like the alpha vampire. Here he does it by stabbing a crucifix and renouncing God, which if that worked, I'd be a vampire like a few thousand <laughs> times oh, over. All yeah, right, we sure. all have those Saturday nights. <laughs> uh, no, but I mean, like it, it is kind of a wild interpretation, like for this creation of pure evil, but. I appreciate that this book, this movie is coming out like trying to add that bit of respectability to it and then just going so completely operatic and batshit and insane that it's it's this very strange confluence of a movie. It is a hell of a lot of fun to watch. Um, I, I think <laughs> my, my appreciation for this movie kind of grows every time. Like, I don't think I've ever gotten to a place where I could say I love this movie, but I'm like, I, I appreciate it a little bit more every time. I loved this movie as a child okay like and i do mean as a child yeah. <laughs> so you were the target audience for this video game a hundred well not i don't know about the video game but the movie i just remember watching it over and over again and just being apps like i didn't realize how horny it was like I me mean, like when i watched it <laughs> i watched it last night and i was like what oh my like what like every character is just ready yeah Anthony Hopkins as Abraham Vaughn Helsing. Yeah, fresh off an Oscar. Yeah. Humps Quincy whilst talking for no reason. Okay, see, I wasn't clear if he was trying to, like, pick him up and dance around jubilantly or if he's just like, ooh, Rocketeer, let me no, add him. No, that was rrr. dry humping. Yeah. A hundred percent. That was straight up excited small dog. Ooh, yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, he's like, ooh, yeah, American, gotta get at him. Uh... <laughs> But I mean, that's that's kind of like where we're at with this movie. It's it's at such an interesting time in the Cineplex, too, because I feel like this is the last ebb for a very long time of horny cinema, of horny blockbuster of cinema. Horny All cinema. Right? Basic Instinct was a big hit earlier this same year. Like, we're going to get a few dying strands of the erotic thriller, like your indecent proposals and your disclosures and stuff like that. But this is... A, a horror movie, a big budget blockbuster horror movie that is explicitly sexually charged. Like it's about like repressed sexual feelings in the Victorian era and things like that. And I really was happy to see it, not in like a pervy way, mostly in just like a, there's so much hand wringing among like younger generations now about sex scenes in movies to the point where like we pretty much just don't have them anymore. And I think certain older folks, myself included, are kind of like, I wish when mo- I, w- I wish movies were like bolder like this. I wish they could be hornier. I wish they could be wilder. <laughs> I wish they could take bigger, weirder chances. So you're saying that you spend a lot of time looking at the horny cinema category on IMDb. Uh, so <laughs> much, so much. I wrote the list. Yeah, no, I put it together. Now I'm Somebody gonna make to Shrek. Yeah. Be so, the change you want to be in the world. <laughs> I loved this movie. I don't think Gary Oldman is attractive in this movie. I was going to bring this up. Okay, this is a weird era for Gary Oldman where they are kind of shoehorning him into a lot of sex symbol roles. They did this. They did Immortal Beloved, which is a Beethoven movie, but they tried to make him like a sexy bodice-ripping Beethoven. And then they did the disastrous adaptation of the scarlet letter with him and demi moore oh my god yes i remember that that like completely missed the point of the book but it was also hinging on the fact that like you know ladies are getting all worked up looking at shirtless gary oldman and i'm I'm not like we were i was having this discussion with my girlfriend we were watching it it's like he's not a bad looking man no one's like 
dissing him on that, but that's never been his appeal. Yeah. His appeal is his intensity and his weirdness, you know. But asking him to be a romantic lead is a wild choice. Yeah. You don't find intense weirdness romantic? I find intense weirdness romantic, but I don't find Gary Oldman attractive <laughs> in this film. Fair. Um, fair. I feel like Keanu Reeves is much cuter. Um, and even like Quincy and Carrie Ewells are, are much cuter in their like romance with Lucy. That was the uh, my girlfriend Ailish's big take on watching this movie was that the Carrie Elwes and Keanu Reeves roles should have been switched or like uh, uh, make Keanu Reeves be one of the American characters because look this has been litigated to death I don't want to like kick the poor guy because he's he's certainly found himself a place but this was the year that they were really trying to see if Keanu Reeves had range and I think they conclusively decided that no, no, afraid not. Between this and Much Ado About Nothing, I think we've seen that this is a man who cannot really do a British accent, and that shouldn't be a requirement. So they, like, evidently they cast Keanu Reeves because they wanted, like, a heartthrob. Yeah. And, like, and I love Much Ado About Nothing. I love Keanu Reeves in this role. And I don't, as an adult, uh, I, I now look back and I'm like, hmm. Maybe his accent's not good, but he's supposed to be this milk toast dude. Like that—that's the whole point of Jonathan Harker. He's—he's he's like this—he's this cute guy who gets in and way over his head. But I feel like for me, Keanu played too modern. First of all, because that's just—he—he's a modern actor. That's just his his venue. I think a bigger problem for me more than the accent work is that he doesn't seem to react to things. And there's some there's some things happening to him. There are some things that are occurring in Dracula's I think castle that's fair. I think that's I, fair. I think that might just be... I think you just put into words my biggest criticism of Keanu Reeves' acting in almost anything. Is that his reactions always feel just a little bit off. Sure. Um, and I, I like Keanu Reeves. I didn't... I, I've never seen this movie before. I didn't know anything about who was in it or who wrote it. When yeah. I... <laughs> last minute found it on YouTube because I forgot to watch it and saw, you know, Francis Ford Coppola. And then I was like, I mean, this looks, I mean, it says Bram Stoker's Dracula. This is probably the right movie. Yeah. I wasn't like, I was watching the rented version. Some dude just uploaded it. And so I like, I checked like the quick Google and I'm like, okay, well, Wikipedia says, yeah, yeah, he wrote it. Like the the the, the first like little result Google said. Yeah, yeah. And it's like okay, so this is the right movie so far. And then when Keanu Reeves was there, I was like, I'm gonna check that again because <laughs> right. that doesn't seem right. <laughs> but I, I don't know. I I want to back up on this too because yeah, like the, the, you're the you're the only one here who has not seen this movie before. It's what were your expectations going in, and what was your reaction to the to the final product when you saw it? So, um, as potentially, uh, I'm kind of like a cusper between uh, the millennials and the the Gen Z. Definitely, like on the millennial side of it, but yeah. like a lot of the things that Gen Z grew up on is way closer to what I grew up on. And so, uh, for me, like. I think the Van Helsing movie was like... Sure. I was like, okay, maybe something vaguely in that area. Although, since it's a little older, maybe not as action-y. Because that was a, that definitely was a, like a turn-of-the-century thing. Was Everything became a little more action. I mean, um, we will get to that movie. But that's from the director of The Mummy, the Brendan Fraser one. So like, oh, it's, okay. it, it has that style, for sure. Um, And so I... 
I was expecting just kind of like a maybe slightly cheesy kind of little ha- uh, campy uh, movie. Yeah. And I think uh, it delivered. Yeah. <laughs> um, the puns. There is a pun about syphilis in this movie. That was good. Yeah. What did he say? A civilization? Yeah. Yeah. yeah we live in a civilization. No, more a civilization. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. At least that wasn't being delivered to us like straight face it. He was giving a presentation and trying to be witty, but. Still yeah. a syphilis pun. Still a syphilis pun. Yeah. Not many of those anymore. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> because not a whole lot rhymes with syphilis. Yeah. It makes yeah. it real difficult. <laughs> it is. It's true. Just like uh, living with syphilis. <laughs> I mean, it's weird. We're actually, I mean, we're, we're, like I said, we're so like inundated with Dracula. We're getting two more Draculas this year. There's uh, going to be Renfield, which is out now as we're recording this. And then there's The Last Voyage of the Demeter. Which, which is, I think looks fantastic. Looks kind of cool because that's kind of famously the scariest chapter of the book is the the sea captain's log like as they're uh, taking dracula overseas or like over to carfax abbey and he wakes up and just feeds on all of them you know and it's freaky like that seems like a cool premise well, for a movie. and that's the thing about dracula that i both love and like dracula is fucking with you. He's fucking with Jonathan Harker. Yeah. He's like, ooh, I'm just going to be a green light. Ooh, I'm going to be werewolves. Ooh, I'm going to be the bat. Ooh. Yeah. Like, he, like, he could just rip his throat out, but he really enjoys, <laughs> really, really enjoys just playing with his food. Yeah, he's like uh, a cat with a mouse. I'm going to have them pack me into a box <laughs> and get shipped over to London and I'm going to leave you here with, like, three succubi, pretty much. Yeah. And uh, have fun, bud. Yeah. Have a good time. Monica <laughs> Bellucci's in there. Have, literally. Have a good time. It's like <laughs> half the tit in this movie comes from those interactions, if not more of it. And I was just like, why? <laughs> and I wondered, like, yeah, I mean, like you said, that that's the big source of, like, a lot of the half tits in this movie. It's like, I wonder yeah. if they just think that's the classier choice. Like, Maybe it's like trashy to just flash both boobs, but like it's classy if you just see one and it's in like a diaphanous like gown or something. Yeah, I don't no, know. It, it's all about having, you know, the silk slip a little bit. Right. Yeah. I mean, like you're wearing right now, Justin. Like, yeah. It looks really yeah, good. Right. And I mean, I, I can see the one and that's all I need. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, no, but it, it's the so the idea for this movie. Well, it really Winona Ryder was kind of the driving force behind this movie. She had been cast in The Godfather 3. She had to drop out for personal reasons, which led to Francis Ford Coppola casting his daughter Sophia in that part, which a lot of people considered to be kind of a disastrous casting choice. So she was worried that Francis Ford Coppola hated her and would never want to work with her again. Uh, so she found this script. She found out it was it was circulating, and she knew that he loved Dracula, and so she brought it to him, and he immediately loved it. He immediately cast her in the part and kind of got to work on the film, which had a $40 million budget. Seems pretty modest by today's standards, but most of that budget went to the costume work, and I really want to highlight the costume, the costume work here. Okay. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. However, the armor that Dracula wears... <sighs> Sorry, I'm hitting the counter. I don't no, hit it. Uh, 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 as, <laughs> I do it as a historian, as a person who loves costume history, 
what were they thinking? Like it looks rad as hell. Is what they oh, it looks like you think are, it looks rad? Yeah, I think it, it looks, looks like so all, horrible. It's like striated muscle tissue. It just it looks it, like it's completely impractical. But this movie is not going for practicality. That is or not realism. going to do a lot for you in battle. Not oh. a thing, especially because when he moves, it's clearly rubbery. But like all the costumes in this were done by this Japanese artist named Eiko uh, uh, Ishioka, who was like an advertising and theater like uh, uh, executive and this was one of her first movies and she won the Oscar for this. Well, I still say she deserved the Oscar even 100%. despite the um my personal opinion disastrous um suit of armor uh i i I cannot get on board love love mina harker's costume through this um and like even though like it's very impractical that lucy westero has like a voluminous red corset that she goes (laughs) like she's sleeping that's her nightgown that's what she's sleeping in she Um, has to be modest when she's in bed yeah that's what i sleep in yeah (laughs) just in case uh, a gentleman might have to see her in the middle of the night when the building's on fire. Yeah, that's true. That's not how that works. <laughs> I don't know. Look. <laughs> no, I mean, we get, like, uh, when Lucy goes full vampire, like, later in the movie, and she's wearing that all white with the, like, kabuki face makeup. Yeah. That that looks incredible. Like, uh, uh, his daywalker outfit with the old-fashioned oh, sunglasses. Oh, that looks really... See, yeah. I don't it's find dope. Gary Oldman attractive in this. However, I find him attractive in that outfit. That's a great outfit. I mean, come on. Yeah, that it's, it's spectacular. I mean... Eiko Ishioko, if uh, she would kind of work almost exclusively with Tarsum Singh after this, so if you've seen movies like The Cell and The Fall, things I like that. love The Fall. It's so fucking. Good. It's like oh it's such an underrated movie. If okay, if you're listening to this, go watch, go the, fall. watch the Fall. It's from 2006. It's got Lee Pace in it. It's like uh, this. It's kind of like a Dark Princess Bride, and it's oh, so fucking cool. It's so good. And people just completely slept on that movie. I'm I'm still waiting for like the cult to. <laughs> Come up around that movie. Woo. Oh boy, you're hearing that spooky ambiance. How you doing, buddy? I got a scared dog on my feet. He's doing okay. <laughs> oh, Poor buddy. It's all right. Um, so yeah, like I think, you know, th- this movie, like when they did some early preview screenings, uh, studio got pretty worried because audiences did not really know what to make of this. It was very big. It's very them. weird. It, like, and it's very horny and it's very gory. Uh, but it wound up being like kind of a huge hit. $40 million budget. It made $30 million back in its first weekend, like which is crazy. Um, and this, this got nominated for four Oscars. It won three of them, like including for costume. What like three did it win? It's this, uh, it's, it's, uh, makeup, uh, uh, costuming and sound, I believe. The makeup, also okay. up makeup deserves design. it. Let's say like, like all the best parts of the movie pretty much. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. And I mean, I, this movie does a lot of really cool things like uh, Coppola's decision was like that uh, whenever Dracula is around physics aren't quite right you know so like his shadow moves independently from him water yeah. drips up to the ceiling instead of down to the ground rats will walk on the ceiling I loved I loved the scene where I say I loved the scene I thought it was gr- hilarious when uh, Jonathan Jonathan yeah yeah uh, kind of reads his character shaving and he kind of cuts himself a little bit and Dracula just kind of like appears in the doorway and is like hey, hey I smell the blood yeah, uh, yeah but then he like starts being all creepy and weird and like approaches him and then like uh, Jonathan kind of turns back looks at the mirror for a second and kind of like you could tell he something w- felt off to him and then like Dracula just kind of like kinks his neck and the mirror breaks and he's like oh vanity yeah. ah. 
definitely didn't break that, so you in the wouldn't book, realize I was a vampire. In the book, he just throws the mirror out the window. <laughs> that is way more suspicious, to be honest. Yeah, I'd be like, all right, dude, weird. He's uh, like, wait, why, why don't you want me to see you? Why don't you want me to shave you, strange man? Yeah, and, <laughs> then, and then after that, he just starts shaving him. And I'm like, wait. Why? See, Why are you letting him? And this is one of those moments where I'd be like, hey, Keanu, what are you thinking about this? Like, do you, do you have a stronger reaction <laughs> to what's happening? Nearly. I, honestly, his face was about as bewildered as my face was watching that part. As yeah. I was just like, what is happening and why is this Dracula guy is mean, real real creepy and not in the spooky sense. Just in like the creeper sense of just like, let like, me... I'm going to get my hands all up over around your shoulders, and I'm going to shave you intimately. I mean, how do you even achieve that double bun look? Like, I don't even know. Like, <laughs> honestly, I I was watching it. I started watching it uh, outside on my lunch, and I was like, what? I couldn't quite make out because of the brightness outside. I'm sure. Like, is is all of – it looks like all of his hair is just white. Yeah. At what point does head end and does hair begin? <laughs> Yeah. And like, then later on, I was like, oh, okay, that's where it begins. It's just, I don't know how he, like, <laughs> I don't know how you achieve that. I don't know. It's just, it's a signature look at the very least. But, okay, but so I, I think I think the choice to kind of shoot this movie through the context of, like, repressed Victorian-era sexuality is, is a smart one. I think that's an interesting milieu, and it's an interesting way to look at it. Um, and I think... I actually think Winona Ryder is quite good in this movie. She is another one kind of like Keanu who was cast because like she's the hot young thing at the moment. But I think she's actually quite good um, and she has a bit of a better grasp on the material. Um, and I think she kind of conveys a lot of that repression. You know, she's always jealous of Lucy who is kind of like more of a free spirit. And uh, and then she, it, it kind of opens her up to this temptation, you know? Yeah, there, there's like that first scene with the girls and I was like, Oh, okay. They're mentioning they're being kind of awkward about it, but it sounds you know reasonable for somebody in their situation. And they're just talking about basically how they're sexually repressed. That's interesting. I didn't expect the rest of the movie to basically be about that. Yeah, I mean it's a strong take, and, and say, one that I don't yeah. think is super present in the novel. Like it's real hard because it's just like Dracula is a monster sure. in the novel, but he's still like. I don't know. There's something like he falls in love with Mina. He doesn't. It's not like this soulmate thing like, from a past life, yeah. which I've always wondered. Like, I've always hate. Like, if you fought, like if you fell in love, your, your significant other died and you were alive for a couple hundred years and you just fell in love with someone else who looked exactly the same. Isn't that just rude? Like, right. <laughs> mix it I up. I only a liked you for your looks. Yes. <laughs> Forget the rest, honey. <laughs> like, it is. Ah, ah, ah. <laughs> There's definitely, like, the, 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 the. Dracula is inherently horny. Yeah. Why it's horny? You like there's like there there's vampires have been horny for women, and like uh, women loving women and women who love men for very long time. There was, before Dracula, there was Carmilla. Yeah. Um, and it it's just like you know, um, like 
mouths are sexy. Like, ooh. Having a mouth on your neck. Yeah, like there's there's an intimacy to being attacked by a vampire. Yeah. Look, if you've been alive for a couple hundred years, you just are horny. Yeah. That's how it works. <laughs> Probably true. You ever hear about old people in nursing homes? The older you get, the hornier you get. Well, there's, I guess maybe some people, there's like a dip and then it comes back up and you're just like, oh, I'm horny all the time. I don't yeah. understand it. I uh, mean, and they're, correct me if I'm wrong, isn't a lot of the subtext kind of thought to be homosexual in nature because like bram stoker was kind of repressed homosexual i, I think it was not to you know, talk at a school i just heard that I well read that. I, I think i think he's probably pansexual or bisexual um i think the like the intense like longing is there for both sexes in the novel because yeah. like the beginning with um with Jonathan Harker is definitely he's put in this role that classic uh, gothic novels women are put into like the castle of Adolfo um, like these he is the princess and the castle who can't escape and like so there's like this this sexually charged energy of him being in this very feminine role um, and him not being um, it, of him being trapped uh, by this man who's kind of sexually harassing him. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> I mean, he leaves him with three women that he's basically the intent is like, hey, they want to they want you and they want to kill you i think that was the gist i got was like it's a delicate balance (laughs) yeah yeah it's it's and i think the the design of those three like vampire brides is also very evocative of like 70s like european horror cinema that was very strongly like sapphic in nature you know Mm -hmm. daughters of the devil and things like that like I think it was going for to play for a little bit of that. But also, this is a 1992 movie. I feel like they're probably resistant to dig into some of those themes. They have Lucy and uh, Mina make out in the rain. Yeah. 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 Like, was that like a dream? I think it was I don't a dream know if it was sequence. a dream. Like, they're like, walk, oh, running in the rain, making out in the rain. Like, what uh, was that? So, I, I think I might know the answer to that one. Uh, who wrote this? Uh, a guy named James Hart. Ah, a guy. Yeah, there we go. There <laughs> so we man go. wrote that. <laughs> yeah, and I think it, it was it was kind of the shocking thing to do around that. It's like, oh, did you know that girls can sometimes kiss each other? What? Crazy. Uh, what else did James Hart write? He wrote it's unheard of in nineteen. Oh, of course, it's from the screenwriter of uh, Muppet Treasure Island. So, <laughs> what else would you expect? Oh, that was the entirety of. Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah no, that was really like uh, uh, all over that movie. Um, Wow, he wrote Contact. He wrote uh, Hook. Okay, interesting. Yeah, so, you know, uh, I I find, for me, this movie loses a lot of steam in the middle, and that tends to happen a lot yeah. for me with these very maximalist movies. Mm-hmm. Like, I tend to get the same way with, even like Everything Everywhere All at Once is a movie I love. It does, like, lag a little bit in the middle just because we're going at such a sprint for so long that when they slow down, like, the exhaustion kind of settles in. So, like, a, a lot of the middle chunk is just... Well, there's a lot more Lucy in this movie than I remembered. Like, she's a very, very big yeah. part yeah, of this movie. Yeah, Lucy is Lucy, a big part of the movie. Lucy and her three suitors are, like, bigger characters than Yeah, they're thought. huge oh, characters. Lucy and, like, two of the suitors are really important. The other guy is the, there? Oh, yeah, the one, she, kind of, the but... one she actually wants to marry is, like, the least impactful to the story. The Texan and uh, Richard E. Grant as the, the psychiatrist are more 
Interesting. Also, it seems like the psychiatrist has like an opium addiction or a morphine addiction yeah. that yes. they don't really touch on. It's just like, it just, oh, like, he just does morphine once and then we never talk about it. And again. we do. I do want to shout out like we mentioned him already, but uh, I do want to shout out the asylum scenes are incredible because we get Tom Waits as Renfield. So in the asylum. Yeah. The guards to the asylum. <laughs> what? That one guy just a box. Where? boxes on their yes yeah. yeah they wear little cages <laughs> they little not the was prisoners that, the guards was that a thing it's just easier that way i guess yeah it keeps you from getting bit what is going on <laughs> i every time i saw the just, box on the dude's head i was like this is great well and the fact like even renfield is in this straight jacket that's got like 12 foot long arms that just kind of like flop everywhere and like but I think that's for me. Tom Waits is the best performance in this movie. Like I think he nails Renfield. Like I think it's it's that's always like such a fun character to play or to like depict on screen because you just get to be like off the wall crazy, like a, literally a bug eating madman. Like that's that's always a lot of fun. I think he's like a solid actor. He's worked with Coppola several times, and like uh, I don't know, it was just cool to see it. And it's a bigger part than I remembered it being, too. I remembered it being, like, a one or two scene, but it's it's a, it's a pretty significant part. Um, yeah, this all kind of culminates in a, a big showdown with Dracula back in Transylvania. And, like, also, like, at some point, Jonathan escapes the castle and then makes it back and they get married. And all of this is done very, like, offhandedly. And, and it's, like, what the way it happens is she gets the letter and then she's, like, Oh, but Lucy's dying. I won't leave her. And Lucy's like, "No, fuck me. Go, go to him." And yeah. she's like, oh, "Okay." He's and a so silver she, fox now. She, she writes the letter to Dracula, who she doesn't know is Dracula, and then leaves to go to Romania. And is there like immediately? Oh yeah, no. I mean, they had supersonic speed travel uh, back in the eighteen ninety seven. I thought it was hilarious because of the whole boat thing. It's like, okay, this is taking time. Well, that she could take the train. Dracula has to take a boat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I guess that's true. Uh, but uh, <laughs> modern technology, take that, Dracula. But I okay. Let's talk for a second about the courtship of Mina. Like oh, yeah. he just they <laughs> take him creepy. to this um like this early Edison esque like picture show, Which, and he Coulter just attacks her. Well, yeah. He just attacks her. Were and you guys then, watching the picture show? They're watching like. Dirty it was movies. Porn. Yeah, they're watching dirty little silent movies. Yeah. <laughs> there was Which, a, a I, topless woman in the movie. A shocking amount of early film is that. Yeah. yeah. Like most yeah. of it's lost, well, look, but that's I mean, most that's of what it was. A shocking advances. amount? <laughs> yeah, or a, not, a completely unsurprising large amount. <laughs> that's how. Let me tell you about the advances in the internet. <laughs> yeah. And why they came around. But then they have, like, there's a horny moment where he's like, here, pet this wolf. That and was I, so weird. I admit. Yeah. I would like to pet a wolf. Oh, who would want to pet a wolf? Yeah. I would like. I I would be a little bit like, maybe you're not so creepy if you no. let me pet a wolf. But the, it was just what? such an intense wolf petting session. It it basically for a solid like tw like fifteen twenty seconds. It's just the camera constantly moving around while they're like petting this like almost erotically petting this wolf and oh, their hands almost. touch and their hands go over each other here and there and this is after she was literally shitting her pants running away from him yes and then yes. the wolf comes and she's just like oh no and then the wolf is friendly and she's like oh maybe maybe you don't suck i will pet this wolf and i'm oh, like i do what suck the ah, hell ah, was ah. this scene <laughs> 
Also, all my impressions of uh, Gary Oldman are apparently the Count uh, from Sesame Street. So there you go. I picked up on that one earlier when you said part two. <laughs> part two. Ah, ah, ah. Yeah, I mean, and, and then we get the later, like, supposed to be the sexiest scene in the movie, which always just kind of grosses me oh, out. Oh, that the, scene. Him cutting his chest open and they're licking each other. It's just like, yeah, all right, guys, let's calm down. Hell? Let's calm I, down. I was like, okay, this is getting spicy. And then he quickly moves his hand and I'm like, Oh, he just cut. Oh, this is way less spicy now. Yeah, now it's just kind of icky. She, you know, she's licking his blood off of his chest. But it, it it does. The movie ends up doing the thing that like all Dracula movies do, at least the ones that are trying to be faithful to the novel, which is there's a showdown with Dracula that feels so anticlimactic because yeah. he's pretty easy to kill. Ultimately, they try and drag it out and make it more like. Mina's moment of retribution rather than like if you take the Bella Lugosi version where it's just somebody goes ah boom don't got him you know like <laughs> this one goes into a little but bit more. like what they did yeah they they literally Lucy was just like go lay down pretty much and yeah then they just kill her yeah I was like well, they I mean, just killed a vampire that took no effort and in this one the killing blow gets to be done by the cowboy like yeah. super important character the rocketeer like Yeehaw. what Yeehaw yeah. indeed and then Yippee-ki. then there is a very you know mina gets to cut his head off later which is a really good prosthetic actually yeah like, that looked uh, really can convincing. i just point out you, you said something earlier when we were playing the game and mm. i said i have something i want i have a discussion i want to have about that. oh yeah please because you said something about uh it felt so weird having uh jonathan what's his name as the as the hero yeah uh, i don't th- i didn't feel like he was the hero i felt like van helsing was the hero oh i meant of the game yeah <laughs> oh, no, of the yeah, game yeah, okay, yeah van helsing yeah, yeah. is definitely the hero of the movie van helsing 100 uh, Hels- this is the so i love anthony hopkins i think this is the weirdest acting choices that i've ever seen from oh, anthony bizarre. hopkins in this role, uh, you talk about Keanu Reeves. You talk about Winona Ryder. I personally, I think the most poorly acted role in this is Abraham Van Helsing. Also, I, can I, I just throw one little tidbit in? Hmm. Uh, I think every of like other than the suitors of Lucy, I think everybody else pretty much makes out with Mina. Yeah, I think so. Just about <laughs> Van Helsing makes out with Mina at one point. Van Helsing is quite, in a really uh, weird, creepy scene. He's quite creepy with her. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, he's just so consistently bizarre and creepy. See, that's the thing. I, I'm look. I'm not going to put this in like my top five Hopkins performances, but I do appreciate that he's making these choices, and I like that he is making Van Helsing. Uh, weird and crazy because let's be honest that's what he should be he's been delving into the occult for like 50 years like he's gonna be a little weird like you have he's to be so, a little weird to pursue he's it. so fatherly in the book he's so sweet like one of my favorite lines from the book is like he talks to me and he's like there are darknesses in the world and there are lights and you madame are a light uh to paraphrase that quote and like he 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 takes care of Mina. He yeah. doesn't make out with Mina. He, I think he says that in the movie. He does, and then he does that weird like dance but, with but her. But yes, he's, he's being very handsy with her. He, he says that in the movie, and it does not have as much of a fatherly tone. It yeah, has I mean, more of like a deranged scientist tone. That's the thing. I wasn't reading that as an overtly sexual <laughs> move. Like maybe it was. I think the decision they made there was to have it be kind of like an attempt at paternal, but he's kind of too weird for it to really land that way. Yeah. Um, well, I do wonder like whether or not they've decided to make uh, Van Helsing 
like weird because otherwise he would take over the movie because he is he's the hero he he's like he is sort of the hero like i and mean he, he as long as like quincy power into the movie yeah. yeah yeah like he he's like he knows what's going on he's very cagey in the book because he doesn't want to tell anyone that they're vampires but i mean because like honestly anyone would be reluctant to tell like hey sorry vampires yeah, um, sorry about that am i right Mondays. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, yeah, and that that's the thing is like we spend the whole like first half of the movie in like mystery and like we we kind of understand what's going on. It's like, oh, it's a vampire doing vampire things. And that and is then, kind like, of the well, that's kind of the edge this movie has is that like we are already so familiar with the yeah. story that we don't need to worry about it necessarily too much. And then, like And then Anthony Hopkins comes in and literally just explains everything to everyone. Um, because nobody could make a connection. Nobody, the, the guy's like, I don't understand. We've put two men's worth of blood into her, but she's still low on blood. Uh, all she has are these two pricks in her neck. It's like, my dude. Yeah. Yeah. What? Wild. And that's, that's kind of the, the, the downside of that strategy is that like, all right, the audience is ahead of a lot of this. So like, yeah. if you're, it's no fun watching characters in a movie, like try and figure out something that you already know. You know, and, that gets a little tedious. I, I think it's fine. I, yeah. I don't know. I didn't like, think it was bad, but I, I think that it was just like all of this is happening. And then Anthony Hopkins just rolls in and is like, yep, that, that, this, that, get me a steak. Yeah. Uh, guns don't do anything. And uh, he basically, once he gets introduced, it shifts away from like a, uh, maybe not, not quite like an atmospheric horror movie or uh, anything mm. like that. But it just immediately switches to, all right, now we're going to pretty much just go to action, to action, to action, because now we're doing things. Yeah. Because the guy who knows everything showed up, and now he's put everything in motion to go do it. Well, I feel like this is, like, one of the weaknesses of the movies, the movie compared, uh, and movies compared to the book, is, like, they're so terrified of Mina dying. That's really their impetuous to kill the Count. Yeah. uh, Is because Mina is going to die and instead of mina like winona writer uh, mina fading away she just gets stronger and stronger and somehow she gets power over snowstorms uh so like i just feel like it undercuts the drama of the novel by making winona writer not die like or not get near death yeah, I, she kind of went. It was more that she was just drifting towards corruption. It's, it's like she was becoming death. a yeah. lich to a degree, and that it was such a weird thing because I think at one point Anthony Hopkins, uh, Van Helsing says the effect of like, as the power of forty men, and then uh, it takes three men to kill him. Yeah, uh, it's like his power. The both of them, their powers are literally nothing unless it it feels like it should be something right now and then it's like ah i I can transform into animals i can control all these things i can do all of this um and then like you know half an hour later in the movie (laughs) it's just like feeble vampire and you're like what yeah what was the um him being able to walk around the daylight was that a thing in the book or was that um i don't remember him walking around the daylight i think like at least initially like when jonathan um was in the castle he was sleeping during the daytime um i don't remember whether or not that changes as the book progresses yeah 
Um, I was just curious. I think it was more a decision to kind of so have him be normal looking for a little bit and give him a cool ass top hat. But. You're telling me that in the book he doesn't go to London and start courting a woman just brazenly out in the street while really creepily staring her down? Uh, I don't believe so. It's been a while. <laughs> okay. I need to reread it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I thought that was kind of the weirdest part of just how he he shows up and just starts being creepy to her and she's like all right yeah cool. well and if you're gonna if you're macking on someone don't kill their best friend right yeah Bizarre yeah choice. that's like that's dating tip number one like that's the first thing that they teach you yeah yeah in yeah. dating school i guess yeah because like they teach you that um so there are a lot of weird things about this movie but there there are a lot of weird things to love about oh, this yeah. movie like i love the atmospheric train in front of the writing the novel or the diary of john Har jonathan harker like the tr like the weird like kaleidoscopic situations like the setting like it's just like all the things people get wrong with like maybe the writing or the um like it just feels like it fades away because it's so atmospheric it really is like there there is something cool to look at in every frame of this movie and i think that's why it has kind of endured despite some of the casting missteps or the writing missteps yeah. like because it is it is just so wild and dynamic it kind of reminded me a little bit of like i, I feel like this is what the new elvis movie was going for and failed to do mm -hmm. like by being so hyperactively shot and edited and put together like for this one i feel like it's meant to evoke a sense of madness for that other for elvis it just was like obnoxious oh. and confusing um i i, I just had a, a hit in my head um i saw abraham lincoln vampire slayer uh in oh. the last six months and that that honestly felt similar to this movie to a degree i think that that movie did a lot of it way worse yeah probably but yeah, uh, I, I think that like the to a degree kind of the pacing and like the way the action is like interwoven um but yeah i think the the cinematography is pretty consistently like uh i don't i wouldn't say anything of it that they do cinematography wise is super remarkable but the sets they always find ways yeah. to have the sets at good angles. How nice is it to see uh, like physical sets? Like uh, it's not nothing's been green screened here. There's like yeah. they're using matte paintings. Like it's still yeah. old enough that they're doing that technique. And sometimes you'll see like miniatures or like little automated figures. Like it just looks really tactile and cool. And uh, and I think that's why people keep coming back to it. You know, it, it is a flawed movie. It's it's messy and it's big and it's weird and, and it takes a lot well, of cho chances, but. And even though the romance is weird, the romance is still there. It's like, there, and yeah. It's a very problem. Like, for yeah. me personally, I've always had an issue, issue with Dracula because Dracula is supposed to be evil. He's supposed to be a monster. He's not supposed to be, like... I have a real issue with like um and like I like the fact that he has teeth and that he is a monster because so many modern vampires and modern Draculas have they they basically have no teeth you know yeah um their teeth is is just foreplay you know they're they're not actual <laughs> monsters well you think about it as like Nosferatu versus original 1931 Dracula it's like I think 
most Dracula movies are responding to the Bela Lugosi version, who was more suave, who mm-hmm. was more sexy, who was more... Nosferatu is just like a rat man. You yeah. Know? Like, nobody's getting seduced by that guy. He is a monster who is hunting you to your death. But Dra- the Count Dracula is a charmer. And I think that movie was such a hit and so, like, iconic that every movie sort of needs to respond to that and it sort of reclaimed the character in a very interesting way Mm -hmm. that's the weird thing to me right because the first part of the movie uh when it's jonathan and dracula at the castle at dracula's castle uh it's keanu reeves with a creepy old man and then uh after keanu reeves basically gets trapped there uh dracula leaves and goes to london because he saw the picture of his past wife ah! Ah! and then goes to london and then becomes this charming man and it's like so he <laughs> like where he, where was any of this before i mean i think he's clearly he, living a double life i i think they don't really go into it but i think he regains his youthful appearance by feeding on people that's why like he was all old and desiccated and you got to be like young and handsome but like it doesn't also, explain the senile creepiness does not explain the senile creepiness and does not really explain um like where his social abilities came from because i feel yeah. like if you're alone in a castle in romania for a hundred years you're probably going to be a little squicky you probably don't know how to talk to people uh, no, you hit the clubs yeah i mean i i was weird after just like two years of covid clubs, but <laughs> you too Will you let me in? That's what bounces are for. They're the best thing for vampires. Oh, (laughs) well, uh, I want to. I want to segue into the game here. Do we have anything else to say about the moving? Uh, say it. It's wild and wonderful. I'll 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 say this is the last successful film that Francis Ford Coppola ever directed. Well, yeah. and it's actually uh, so many of his films were not financial successes. They were not. Yeah. No, this he was had a, pretty a rough huge aims. financial success. It made what? Like over 200 million? Worldwide, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And like, you know, and he, he actually feels very energized in this movie in a way that he didn't really throughout the Like he's never been like a super bombastic filmmaker you know if you look at the godfather or apocalypse now or things like that he's got some touches of style obviously but he's never been quite to this level i kind of think of like like the modern equivalent would be martin scorsese doing wolf of wall street or uh george miller coming out of retirement doing mad max fury road like these really huge stylistic epics from directors that you didn't think had it in him anymore yeah. i think that's it's a it's a cool thing it's kind of a it's a bummer he was never able to really ride that train and continue to make interesting work. And, and I had honestly... He's making a new movie, so... Yeah, he sold his winery yeah. to pay for it. He's yeah. paying for the entire thing himself. In, in the last couple of months, uh, I actually... I think it was Apocalypse Now. I was like, yeah. who directed that? I don't remember. And then like, I, I got into the whole Wikipedia of uh, Francis Ford Coppola's backstory, and I was just yeah. like... This movie's pretty much when his career just kind of disappeared. I mean, that's a that's a topic for a whole other day. But yeah, watch the documentary Hearts of Darkness, uh, which is about the making of Apocalypse Now. Basically, yeah, everyone agrees, including Francis Ford Coppola, that movie broke him. Uh, and uh, so I think he's struggled ever since. He's never quite been the same. But let's segue into this game, because uh, this is just one of those completely wild artifacts that uh, I don't think should exist, but it's pretty crazy. I mean... This is kind of the peak era of video game tie-ins. Basically, like, if you had a movie, it was released by a major studio, and if it was expected to be marginally successful, 
you needed to have a video game. Uh, and so this one did prove to be a bigger hit than they thought. And some marketing genius decided that like, oh, this hard R, very horny, very gory uh, adaptation of an 1897 epistolary novel. That, the kids love that shit. Like, let's line them up. So there was a line of action figures. Like, who was, who was playing with those in 1992? <laughs> what was the action on the figures? They didn't really have any action. That's the thing. They were kind of just like Oh, figurines. you were supposed to make up your own action. Basically, <laughs> yeah. I think maybe if you're a little gothy, you would have really appreciated one. Maybe you would yeah. have wanted one. Dracula hangs out you know? with Barbie here and there. Yeah. Did, you, did you have one? Uh, no, I was a little too young to uh, to uh, to get one. Yeah. Um, like, um, but uh, I didn't have my own. Like, I was I was a, a wee tiny baby when this came out. But uh, <laughs> my parents had no parental like locks or controls. <laughs> no. Or anything like that. Like. Definitely I mean, not the world I, I lived in. I I would have been like eight or nine or something like that when this movie came out, and like so I was aware that it existed, but like I was not clamoring to play with the action figures. Of, oh, mom, get me the Gary Oldman! Like, no, like <laughs> I wasn't I, I wasn't clamoring for it. It wasn't yeah. really uh, in the zeitgeist as far as kids were going. They, uh... But there was a there was a comic book series. There was a, a junior novelization, which always cracks me up. It's it's the novelization. novelization of a movie that's trying to be really close to the original novel. So it's just like give me the original novel, I guess. But kids wouldn't read that. Um, and then there were video games. Now there's a couple different editions of this game, and some of them we didn't play, but uh, I wanted to talk about them briefly. Firstly, the Game Boy version. There's a Game Boy version of this game that I am not exaggerating is just Mario. It is Jonathan Harker, and he has. There are question mark blocks that power ups come out of. <laughs> You're roaming around through Dracula's dungeon, and you are bopping little question mark blocks that are straight from Mario and getting power ups like stakes and whips and stuff like that. So that thing is nuts. Then there's the Sega CD version. Now, how familiar are you two with the Sega CD? And we had one at my middle did. school library, In which the is library? weird because uh, if you start. Looking at years, it doesn't line up. No, yeah, I was gonna say that thing would have been defunct by at least a decade oh, by the time me, you were that this old. This might have been. I, I had to go to two different grade schools because uh, as I was going into third grade, the school district shifted so that half the schools did K through two, and the other half of the schools did three through five. Okay, because they put all the farm kids at one half. And they put all the non-farm kids at the other half of the district, <laughs> and then they're like, "Cool, now we don't have to have all the buses go everywhere." There we go. Um, and so I think this was at my second grade school um, in the library. And so this would have been 2006. Okay. Like, I mean, I think 2004 was when I was hitting third grade. Yeah, the, the Sega uh, CD was dead hard. by I 1995. Seven, yeah. I would have been eight. Yeah. Um, yeah, no. And, like, I was born in 95. I, and that's the crazy part is we just had one. We had the Zelda game. We had a Jeopardy. Yeah. We didn't have this game though <laughs> that's okay so the the stock and trade for the sega cd was this was one of the first like cd-rom based consoles so they could do video very small postage stamp size very grainy video but you could do it and so this game used a lot of actual cutscenes from the movie and then the gameplay itself was kind of like um it was kind of like a rotating cylinder that the world was mapped around you know so when you're walking it kind of looks like the whole thing is rotating around you and the main character, okay. you're still playing Jonathan Harker, 
but it's now a live actor that's been digitized to be a digital character. Oh. So it's like Mortal Kombat. Yeah, like so like you have Kombat. a very stiff looking character who just walks around <laughs> punching bats. Like I think that's your only enemy in that game <laughs> is just bats. Uh, that thing's notoriously bad. Um, and th then we have the game versions that we played today. So the versions that we played were available on both the Super NES and the Genesis. These are action side-scrolling platformers, like pretty much every game that came out during this time. And here's one of the first baffling decisions they make. Your main character is Jonathan Harker. So on paper, this makes sense. It's Keanu Reeves. He's a young, cute boy. You're playing the like youngest, strongest, most heroic-looking character in the movie. But think about what Jonathan Harker actually does in this film. <laughs> He takes paperwork to a castle. He gets seduced for a long time. He comes back with PTSD. He doesn't really do much. He after takes he gets paperwork married. to a castle and gets trapped there for three months. Yeah, we kind of forget he's in the movie until he's like, oh, by the way, I'm back. That's I a, jumped I'm out of Romania. the castle. That's I, a pretty I did good impression. Thing. Thank you. I did the thing that Dracula's wife did. That got weirdly Australian. Uh, <laughs> and I jumped off into the river. Good day, mate. Good yes. day. And then I wrote to my soon to be wife <laughs> to come here and marry me in Romania instead like, of taking me home so we can be married with people we know. That well, is his arc. You can't, you, no, he can't, she can't take him home. They can't travel together unless they're married. Oh, that's right. And he needs to make some more money before he can make an offer. Well, I mean, I'm, they can both... Go back to London. They could. They don't have to be sitting next to each other on no, the train. No, it would be unacceptable at that time they, period for they her. They could have possibly gone back to London. No, that would have been unacceptable. Especially for their, because it's hinted they're kind of middle class too. Like, yeah. yeah. It's only allowed if there's at least one week between each one traveling. Yeah. They had all these weird like proprietary rules, but like... All, all of which is to say is this does not make for the most dynamic and engaging and then, video game hero. <laughs> the the person who does the majority of the action, Van Helsing, in the movie, in the game is just a person in some of the levels that when you walk up to them, he just thinks about a, a weapon in the area and then that's it. Then you have to find it. And there's yeah. no yeah. words. He doesn't. He doesn't point. The game doesn't tell you where it is. But I think uh, you know these these old Romanian villages are apparently teeming with cavemen and bats. Like, <laughs> this is a very offensive portrayal and of of uh, Romani people. A lot of fucking spikes that come oh out of the ceiling oh. and the ground. Yeah, I would argue the main enemy in this game is spikes. the spikes. Uh, the, the very poorly placed obnoxious so spikes. So most games, when you have spike traps like this, it's like, you know, six spikes in a line. You know, one comes from the bottom, one comes from the top, one comes from the bottom. Usually in games... They will do it in just an, a predetermined pattern so that, like, if you wait until the right moment or you use the right cadence, you yeah. can get through without getting hurt. But this one, the spikes only activate when you get close enough to them. And that is literally, like, one pixel before you're getting hurt by the spike in front of it. So it's so annoyingly difficult to time them correctly to not get absolutely it sounds eviscerated. like it frustrated you it did justin yeah. Yeah. it i don't think i was the only one frustrated I, you were oh i loved the spikes they tickled. diced by it as well i don't think you were getting as frustrated julianne this, this is gonna be <laughs> unfortunately a bit of a recurring arc on this show is that j-band doesn't like games with a lot of jumping 
and I keep making her play a lot of games with a lot of jumping. <laughs> this oh. one did not have too much jumping. This one has a reasonable amount of jumping, but they balance it out with combat that is uh, largely ineffective because you have <laughs> a little blade uh, that you start with and you kind of like swing it around, hitting dogs and bats and stuff. Uh, you can get a sword, but it's very unclear how to do this because like you said, oh. you, you find Van Helsing, he thinks about a sword, and then you have to backtrack in the level to find the story so, you just thought about. It's literally like vampires. The, the dots and then the, the thought box and then a sword. And you're just like, bro, what? What? Yeah. Vampires Nowhere. make for excellent video games. Absolutely. How does this compare to Castlevania? Uh, the same way that like uh, a garbage you find on the street compares to like a finely prepared meal. It is it is uh, delicious, which you can say. <laughs> the yeah, Castlevania just... actually got some of the, it took some of the plot from this movie, from Bram Stoker's Dracula. The backstory with um, Dracula being upset about a dead wife. Yeah. Uh, it, they actually took that from Bram Stoker's Dracula. Yeah, yeah. From, well, I mean, from this movie. And it like... It's more effective in the Castlevania. Even like Castlevania notoriously has some pretty like goofy dialogue and some bad voice acting, but it's also like it's more effective there. Like I, you could feel the drama of it a little bit more. And it's partially because the environments you're exploring are exciting and the combat is tight and interesting and like ever expanding. Unlike in this game. In Castlevania, I've seen Castlevania be played a few times. Not quite my cup of tea, but. You know, there are things like you can dodge and duck, and boss fights are actually interesting. Yeah. In this game, boss fights were literally just walk up, crouch, and stab them, and hope it doesn't kill you first. It's and then at one it. point, I was fighting like a dragon thing, literally had no idea how to do damage. To yeah, it. there was no visible hitbox on that dragon. Like, and like, it could, if it uh, if it made contact with me, it hurt me, but if I did anything to it, nothing happened. I threw explosives at it, and nothing happened. That is some of the most useless dynamite I've seen <laughs> in the game. That is, that is some useless dynamite. So, let, to put this into perspective, uh, in most games that you might be envisioning like this, you have a traditional, you know, 16-9 widescreen view. Yeah. In this one, it's old school 4-3, so it's sure. the boxy. So you can't see super far in front of you. And when you throw the, the dynamite, it's gone. It's out of your sight almost immediately. And then you're just like, well, what, what did that just do? And the answer is almost always... Nothing. Not a damn thing. It's similar to the uh, the guns in this. Now, the guns that you can find are, they're period accurate. So, like, just like in 1897, when you fire a rifle, five bullets come out at the same time very slowly and just kind of bounce in random directions. Actually, Is it like a blunderbuss? Uh, unless I'm I completely guess. wrong, the Lee Enfield rifle was out by that time, and it's one of the most accurate rifles that ever existed. I mean, the Colt 45 oh. was out, or like the Colt, the... What, the, what, what time was this taking place in? Uh, 1897. Yeah. 1897. Like, they have movies. Movies I feel like in this Enfield movie. was more in the twenties, the nineteen twenties. Um, no, Enfield was, was definitely it? around during World War One, was wasn't it? Okay, no, that was the, are we gonna are we gonna Google? Are we gonna? When was World War One? That was nineteen fifteen, nineteen eleven to nineteen eighteen. There we go, history. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I mean, either way, the the gun is not uh, the most accurate weapon that you want to be using, but neither is really anything else you're carrying. So like, and uh, this is one of those games where enemies respawn like the moment you step out of a frame. So like, if you have to backtrack for any reason, be prepared to fight everyone okay. again. 1895. So not there. History. I don't think it was the first bolt action rifle though. Yeah. <laughs> so they should have had. They should have had something. Something. But like, either way, the gun that they give you is just kind of laughably inept. Like it just goes off in like all these weird directions. It doesn't have any kind of verisimilitude. 
And, you know, so like it's also very inconsistent about with the platforming. Like it's not clear what you can jump on and it doesn't really make sense what you can. Like sometimes there'll be like a lamp in the background. You can't step on that. But if there's a same size bucket hanging from a wall, you can absolutely step on that. Bucket. I cannot tell whether or not you have given me Stockholm syndrome <laughs> because I didn't mind this game <laughs> really oh my god like this i is a twist like i didn't like it i i just didn't mind it i was like it was much better than wayne's world much yes. better than et sure. um it had more gameplay than gotcha Honestly, um, i i'll say it was probably better than all but like one game we've played so far i mean i i would I don't here, here, I, think that's saying a lot yeah. because there's a still a <laughs> solid gap between number one and here. My but... possibly hot take is that I think Wayne's World is better than this. <laughs> How? I think it's a better made Just game. Just because of your swing? <laughs> yeah. I mean, honestly, the swing made me laugh. We made it through like four levels in this game yeah. as opposed to... The one, but we didn't even make it through one. that level. How far? Yeah, that was a what long is a level? level. Yeah, I think the barn was designed by the same people who did the music story in Wayne's World like, <laughs> because you're walking around these the inns and taverns. Barn. Yeah, they're just like gigantic. But I mean, there's there's something kind of broken about this game. Like we came across like an enemy that's like this creeping ivy. And there's like a hard line on the back of it. I'm like, what is going on with that? And it's because this is supposed to be in a corner with its back against the left wall, but they put it in the right corner. And, and so didn't like mirror just, it. they didn't mirror it. Like, so it feels kind of sloppy. And then, like you said, with all these spikes, they did not time these out in a way that you can get through without taking damage. And I feel like that's a number one, like sin of bad game design. Yeah, like, I think that's you fair. should be able to beat the entire game without taking damage. And like, it might be hard. It might take skill, but you should be able to. Here's the little additional tidbit is that the invincibility frame is like as long as the invincibility frame in like smash. Yeah. Smash Brothers. So that means it's really, really small. Yes. So when you, if you get hit by one of these spikes, chances are pretty high you're going to take at least two hits from one spike. I think so if you try you... to just run through the spikes, you make it to the second to last spike and you're dead. I think the best you ever did, and you were the one primarily tackling the spikes, but the best you ever did was like losing three of your health bar. Out of five. Out of five. Like that was the best you could do. And, and that, like that—that that was with effort. That was like really trying, and that's on the that's lower difficulty. Yeah. Oh yeah, this is also one of those weird games where like the difficulty—it doesn't really change how hard the game is. It just changes how much you're going to see of it. So like you got to fight the dragon guy because you were playing it on normal difficulty, but we when we played it on easy. It's like it skips that section entirely. There's trainer because it's not even easy. Oh, it's oh. trainer mode. That's right. Yeah, yeah. I was the only one who did it on a real difficulty. Oh, you're the only normal one amongst yeah. us. And let yeah. me tell you, I did not get very far. No, no. <laughs> the only like the first time you played it, uh, uh, J Ben was playing it, and there zero idea where the sword was. And then I found the sword, and I say found in uh, pretty extreme air quotes because it was just there. Yeah. I didn't do anything to find it. And that was immediately immensely easier yeah. right after getting that sword. I felt bad that J-Man had to deal with that stupid <laughs> dagger for as long as she did. Yeah, yeah. She, she because to be clear, the boss. The game does not give you an – like I'm, I'm harping on the Van Helsing thing again, but the game does not give you any indication – that he is conjuring that weapon into existence. <clears throat> the game has like an arrow at the top of the screen that's like navigating you towards the exit, well, which first, admittedly would have been welcome in Wayne's. First, it navigates <laughs> you, but yeah, it navigates you to him, 
And yeah. then after you get to him, it navigates you to the exit. But you would think it would it. like navigate you from him to the weapon he just gave you to the exit, you know, but it but, doesn't. Like, look, it's because he's not giving us the weapon. Oh, that's right. He's, he's just, dreaming. He's like, wouldn't it be nice to have a sword? <laughs> yeah. So it's it, how know, if, very if this whole house explained. that you're in, you're in the attic of this house and this whole house is full of. Uh, bad guys, bats, and drunk people throwing beers. Oh, yeah, that's the other uh, Why are you giant, here? Giant if drunk men. Just help. Giant drunks. Yeah, in Romania, all the drunks are gigantic. Yeah. Like, that, that. yeah, it's a guy who's, like, laying on the ground. It's like a cartoon. It's like the it's size like, of Big Show. It's like he sees Superman. And he's like, well, Andre I'm never drinking again. And he throws his bottle. Like, that's that's basically what he's doing. And to reward him for quitting drinking, you stab him in the back of the head. Uh, yeah, or I mean, the front of the head, depending. Or the front of the head, yeah. I mean, the bosses in this game are all just like large versions of figures in the movie. So the first boss we fight is the coachman. Oh, he, is that who that was? Yeah, yeah. He's like supposed to, he's got like this big whip and this like death mask, and that's the guy who takes you to Dracula's castle. The second boss is just the three brides, and then the third boss is gigantic Tom Waits as Renfield. So first of <laughs> Wait, all... that's what... I was fighting the three brides? Yeah. You were fighting the three what? brides, yeah. <laughs> also, know, is I, some, I like, worried. Hydra bullshit? Again, just misinterpreting this game that, like, <laughs> Renfield is not really the threat in this. He never leaves the asylum in this movie. He's just, like, a poor guy who went insane. Like, and he's not a giant 12-foot monster. Like, and, you know, they, they're even using the stylistic elements of his uh, long straight jacket. Like, he's swinging the arms of that straight jacket to attack you. And it's just so, like... Oh, no! Sleeves! My worst enemy! Oh, no, I man. will leave! I'll turn around! I cannot defeat Sleeves! Wait a minute, you're telling me there's torches around here? Oh! Interesting. What about this dynamite that I have? Oh, wait. I'm sorry. I don't know how to use it. The dynamite is basically just a super ball. Like, it doesn't do anything. It's just going to bounce around. Yeah, no, it's... I, I just think this movie is so conceptually uh, uh, confused. And, like, just the idea that, uh, you know, this was the era... I don't think video games are for kids, but this is the era when they were being marketed pretty much solely to children. There's a pretty hilarious uh, commercial uh, uh, advertising this game about like it's like a kid in a sandwich shop or something like who decides to stake his boss because he played Bram Stoker's Dracula the game. <laughs> really bizarre. You know, very nice. Really, these yeah. commercials did not help the general stigma around violent video games. Not so much. Not so much. I mean, yeah. It, it, so it's it's just wild to me that that's how this game was marketed. That somebody had the idea that oh yeah, this thing is like hyperkinetic and and colorful and this was also kind of a trend at this time of like turning hard r-rated properties into kids entertainment like there were saturday morning tv shows of rambo <laughs> robocop and the toxic avenger like there are animated cartoon versions of all of those which is just nuts and i feel like this is kind of in that misguided vein uh vein ah blood ah. Um, but oh. the, so I, I, I find this game a fascinating artifact and I wish it was more fun to play. Um, but like, it's, it's kind of like a barely functional action platformer for me. Yeah. I mean, it's also like, I think pretty much rated E. 
Yeah, like yeah, I mean, this is before ESRB days. Yeah, it's, but, it's bloodless. Yeah, uh, there's no blood. There's there's no nipples. There's none of that. Not even one. <laughs> Not even, even one. one. It's so I was expecting one of the bosses to just be one tastefully oh. exposed breast. <laughs> Maybe no, not so much. They, they saved that for the Sega CD version. That must be in there. So yeah. they could use the real nipples. That's that must be it. That must be it. See, I knew I should have bought a Sega CD. <laughs> like what, 16, 32-bit color back in those days? Yep. Yeah. Even, even though it was you know lifted from a movie it still looked like it was lifted from a an atari almost sega cd is one of those consoles that's just kind of locked in time because the consoles didn't really work that well when they were new and time has only been degrading those those systems so like a lot of those games are kind of impossible to play anymore. i wonder what they go for on ebay oh, so much i think one of the most expensive games in the world is called ko flying squadron that's uh, that's for the Sega CD. I think the last I saw it was like five thousand dollars. Oh wow! Crazy like that. Yeah. I'm gonna K E I O. Oh, I'm gonna eBay how oh. much a, the console costs. Yeah, 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 yeah. That might. Be, yeah, I'm, I'm curious about that too. But yeah, Bram Stoker's Dracula, the video game, very bizarre, fittingly bizarre, almost for the film property attached to it, but uh, maybe not in the right direction. Um, should we move on to our rankings? Are we feeling confident on this? I, one? I think I am. I think it's I like am. Sega CDs are surprisingly only around two hundred dollars. Oh, okay. Um, well, which is surprising, and I think it may just be a testament to the fact that nobody considers it to be vintage because nobody considered it to be good. It's not a very yeah. There are there are <laughs> there are one or two games on that system that are incredible, and then a lot of like full motion video point and click adventure crap. Like it's it's a lot of really bad games. Like. Uh, it's the reason why nobody's clamoring for a Ford Pinto. Yeah, exactly. Like, right, exactly. Know. Give me that Yugo. <laughs> yes. All right. So let's move on to our rankings here. Is this a good movie, good game? The highest you can possibly reach. Is it a bad movie, bad game? The lowest you can possibly reach. Or is it one of the mix of the other two? Um, let's start with J-Band because I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm bracing myself for a hot take. Oh. Okay. <laughs> this movie is amazing. Okay. Okay. World class top notch yeah it's weird but life is weird and you want some weird shit and this movie delivers um it's so wild and i love it so so much and it was funny re-watching it uh because like a lot of it a lot of the love is from nostalgia but a lot of the love is just it's just so bold it's such bold choices yes uh, and I think the game, even with my Stockholm syndrome, I'm going to say bad game. <laughs> oh, okay. Whew. All right. I was worried. <laughs> no, yeah. To be clear, you are free to have any opinion you want on this. <laughs> like if this game worked for you, it totally worked for you. That's, uh, that's amazing. But uh, Justin, how about yourself? I mean, good movie. But I feel if there was like a meh game category, I think that's where this game would land. Okay. Um, and I, I think I would have to put it in the category of bad game just because I don't think, I don't think it's a bad game necessarily, but I don't think it deserves good game category. It deserves a game that was made category. Sure. It's like, this is unremarkable in every way, shape or form. If you were bought this for Christmas, you'd probably be sad, but you'd probably be like, eh, at least I got to play it. At least it wasn't, you know, E.T., um, All right, so you're ranking good movie, existent game. I'm yeah, really surprised you game. thought it was a good movie, just from the way you were talking about I, it. I mean, I thought it was a fun movie, and uh, that, to me, I think is more important. Um, I think it was a lot of weird, wild, creepy stuff going on. Yeah. But uh, I think overall, 
Uh, it wasn't. The, it had room to get, be a better movie, but I don't think it necessarily like dropped the ball too harshly. The characters at least seemed like they were characters, even if they were fucking weird ones in some <laughs> cases. Oh yeah, I mean I'm, I think I'm there too. I'm 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 going good movie, bad game. Um, yeah, I mean this just like like we said, this, just because this movie is flawed doesn't mean it can't also be pretty great. Um, yes. Oh, I, I'm going to wait till you're finished because oh, yeah. I have something to say. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, and I think a movie can be deeply flawed and have some big problems and still be worth your time. And I think this is definitely worth your time. It's a very singular movie. It's very epic. It's very unusual. And uh, I just I love that it went there. and I love that it tried some crazy things. And the game uh, is not good, but it's <laughs> funny to me that it exists. I think it's crazy that this game exists. I think it's a really interesting time capsule and i think it sort of uh represents all of the weird ass reasons that i'm fascinated by game movie adaptations as a topic so now that we've sort of wrapped up i have to give a shout out and i have to heartily recommend people either read the book mm-hmm. or get the audible recording uh they have a full cast recording with Tim Curry and Alan Cumming. Oh my god! And it's an unbelievable listen. What? It's so so good. Who does Tim Curry play? Uh, Van Helsing. Okay, perfect. That's perfect. great. Oh, that sounds amazing. I mean, I feel like he could also probably do Dracula, <laughs> and it would be fine. But yeah, you never yeah. hear. Well, it's an epistolary novel, but you you never get a letter from Dracula. You never get Dracula's point of view. No. Um. So he's the threat. <laughs> he's the monster at the end of the book (laughs) he's grover (laughs) oh my god why didn't i see it before (laughs) all right well on that note uh next week we are going to be doing we're going to be mixing up the list a little bit i feel like i've been kind of dictating the schedule so far so i want to hand over the reins to my co-hosts here and next week we're going to do a j-band's choice what are we what are we going to play next week we're going to play Vertigo. That's right. There is a video game of Alfred Hitchcock's Vertigo, uh, generally considered one of the greatest movies ever made. I don't know how you're going to pull that game off. I have, it's, a, it's like a recent game, too. I don't really know anything about it. I'm excited to dig into it and uh, see what we can see. I'm, I, one could say I'm obsessed with it. I'm, ex- <laughs> I'm obsessed with looking into it, with learning everything I can about it, and with pretending it's a game that I already like. I, I know literally nothing about this. Have you never seen Vertigo? No. This is going to be I a am treat sure. I, I, I've seen Psycho, and I think that's the only Hitchcock okay. movie yeah. I've seen. Yeah. Oh, I'm excited uh, for you. There's That's, a lot of Hitchcock movies. So. There's a lot, yeah. But this is there's, this there's is a lot of movies I didn't see growing up without with a very strict parental controls this, this on is, the media I was allowed to access. There's, there's nothing parentally controlled about Vertigo. No, you could well, have gone to your local okay. library. You're fine. Yeah, yeah. But either way, I'm excited for you to take that. This is going to be a big moment of like film education for you and film history. Like this is a very important movie. Yeah, and maybe a game that's better. Who knows? Ooh. I'm gonna assume it's better. Better than yeah. <laughs> better than this. Better now. Be- when yeah. did the game come out? Ah, uh, that came out just like two years ago. I think. Oh, so it's, okay. It's actually pretty rare that we're gonna be playing games from like the modern console generation because they stopped making these video game tie-ins. So I'm very interested to see. Yeah. Uh, so be sure to tune in next week for that. We'll find out just what the hell is going on with Vertigo the game. Uh, so we will see you next time, everybody. Bye-bye. Eek, 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 bye. Bye. Bye.